Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Shall we have a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you for the opportunity to examine faith, hope, and love in these two months. Our prayer, Father, is that your Holy Spirit will teach us you give us words with which to explain these terms and help us to bring to the table the issues concerning faith that can help your children to walk with you in faith all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. We are taking a look at the topic of faith, Christian faith. What is faith? Why is faith important in the Christian journey? What are the enemies of faith? What kinds of faith do we have? What do we mean by the trial of faith? Can faith grow? How do you grow your faith? And above all, looking at Jesus and faith. Now, I like to begin this discussion by mentioning a story in my own journey. I never get tired of sharing my first experience in exercising faith when I was at the university. I had been newly born again and uh, when I got to the university I met a pastor friend who was having an Easter convention at KJB in the Volta region of Ghana. So I and two of my friends decided to go. When we arrived, it was the first time I had ever seen God working like that. For example, an eight-year madman was brought to the convention. And during the prayer and healing time, nobody touched him. 
The Holy Spirit just laid hold of him, tossed him into the air up and down, and he was totally healed. And I interviewed him afterwards because I wanted to be sure that nobody was playing a game on me. That evening, it was another healing time. And the prayer was for people who needed healing for their eyes. And I was anxious to go. Because I had used spectacles from secondary school form one. And so that was my eighth year of using spectacles. I couldn't see from afar and uh, my ears were teary whenever I looked at the blackboard without spectacles. So, I had one of my graduate friends with me and he told me, look, I know these faith healers. Some of them when you go and they pray for you and you are not healed, they take your spectacles and break it and you have to go and buy a more expensive pair of spectacles. So please take hold of my spectacles. I'm going for the prayer. If nothing happens, I come back for my spectacles and I take charge of yours and you two go. And if nothing happens, then you are the safer for it. So I held his spectacles. He went and came back and said nothing. So he got his. I gave him mine. I also went and came back and said nothing. And he said, do you see? So I went back to school. But what happened was that the very next holidays, we had a youth evangelism school and I was there when this same preacher came. But that morning, my quiet time was on Romans chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. It says, what shall we say then? Let God be true and every man a liar. What if some do not believe? Does that make the faithfulness of God null and void? By no means. And I was cut to the heart. Suddenly, you know, something rose in me that, look, if you don't exercise faith, you are cheating yourself. You are not cheating God. God will be true even if the whole world votes against him. So, when this preacher started preaching, I told myself that I am getting healed today. And he preached on the power in the name of Jesus. And when he asked us to rise up to pray, he didn't lay hands on anybody and he didn't invite anybody forward. But I told myself that today I'm receiving healing for my eyes and my spectacles are going down. So I removed my spectacles, put my hands on my eyes and after that 
something did happen. From that day, for 20 years, I could read any material, I could read from the blackboard, I could drive in the night for 20 years, and my wife is my witness. Now, till today, I read any text, no matter how small, but I drive with spectacles. Of course, I'm 66, so I need my spectacles for driving. But I was shocked that that simple faith could produce healing for my eyes. And as we go on, I will share many more such testimonies. So, what is faith? We need a working definition for faith. And my working definition for faith is faith is unshakable trust in God and His Word. Enough to act persistently on God's word and God's promises. Faith is unshakable trust. It's confidence in God and His word. Enough for you to act persistently. It means that you believe that God is who He says He is. God can do what He says He can do. You are what God says you are. You can do what God says you can do. Faith in God and His Word means you trust God. You believe Numbers 23 verse 19 that God is not a man to lie or the son of man to repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he spoken? And will he not bring it to pass? Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says God that cannot lie. And in 1 Samuel 15:29, the Bible says the strength of Israel will not lie. In John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they will know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, unshakable confidence in God and His Word his promises, his warnings, his revelations. But it is not enough just to declare you know the promises or you believe the promises. You must believe them enough to act persistently, consistently. That is what we shall use as the working definition for faith. Now, the second thing we need to 
explore is why is faith important for the Christian? The first reason why faith is important for the Christian is that in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 the Bible claims that without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You are talking about two friends. And one does not trust the other one. Can the friendship work? It cannot. If I tell you, oh, I don't want to leave the house today. I'm just resting. And you don't believe me. You are, you are checking on me. The next day I tell you that, oh, I want to travel. You don't believe me. You see that you cannot sustain the relationship. So in the same way, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Number two, Jesus was a man of faith. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus was a man of faith. I know there are people who believe that oh, Jesus is God, he did not need faith when he was on this earth. But Wait a minute. If Jesus is God and did not need to exercise his faith, there are implications. The first implication is when Jesus says in John 14, 12, that anyone who believes in me, the works I do will he do also, and greater works than this, because I go to the Father. Then it means we cannot do the works Jesus did In the same way, you must also understand that if Jesus did not need faith, then he has no right to rebuke his disciples for little faith and for doubt and for unbelief. In addition, you need to understand that Jesus said in John 13, 15 that I have done this so that I will set an example for you to do as I did. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 22 says, This is why you have been called. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should walk in his steps. Who did no sin, 
neither was a guile found in his mouth. We cannot walk in the footsteps of Jesus if Jesus himself did not need to exercise faith. We exercise faith because we are imitating Jesus. Therefore, it is safe and biblical to say that Jesus walked on the sea by faith in Matthew 14. And when Peter too tried to walk, he started. But when he doubted, he began to sink because he, was, he lost the faith with which he was walking at first. Jesus spoke to the fig tree in Mark 11 and it withered by faith. Jesus raised Lazarus who was dead for four days in John chapter 11 and he came forth by faith. Jesus raised the son of the widow of nine in Luke chapter 7 by faith. Jesus turned water into wine by faith. The leper in Mark chapter 1 verse 41 Jesus told him, I will be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy disappeared and the man was cleansed by faith. So, Jesus, first and foremost, was a man of faith. But that's not the only reason why we say faith is important in dealing with Jesus. Because Jesus could see faith. In Matthew chapter 8 verse 10, Jesus said of the centurion, I have never seen such great faith in Israel. In Mark chapter 6 verses 5 and 6, the Bible says in his own hometown, Jesus could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Jesus told uh, Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? In Mark chapter 2, verse 5, when four friends lowered a paralytic friend through the roof, the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus sees faith. The woman with the issue of blood. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. So the second reason why faith is critical in the Christian journey is because without faith it is impossible to be like Jesus. Now the third reason why faith is important in the Christian life is because everything in the Christian life is by faith. In Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says, The just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 7, it says, We walk by faith, not by sight. 
Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We are saved by faith. So, the Christian life, from beginning to end, is by faith. We receive the Holy Spirit baptism by faith. We prophesy by faith. We are grounded and rooted in Christ by faith. We need faith all the way. In fact, Romans chapter 14 verse 23 is bold to say that anything that is not of faith is sin. Now, the fourth reason why faith is critical in our work as Christians is that you need faith to receive answers to prayer. You need faith to, to stand upon the promises of God to make claims on things God has promised you. You need faith to be able to, to do mighty works as a Christian. You need faith in prayer to receive answer. In fact, James chapter 1 verse 5 to 8 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He gives freely and he does not rebuke anybody. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. Because the man who doubts is like the wave of the sea, tossed to and fro. Let not that man think he can receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We need faith to walk on the sea. We need faith to turn water into wine. We need faith to cast out demons. We need faith to lay our hands on the sick so that they will be healed. We need faith to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Faith is critical in the Christian life. So, that brings me to the third part of this message. I want us to analyze faith so that when we talk about the normal Christian faith, we shall not confuse it with the other terms. I break the word faith into seven different kinds or types in the Bible. Number one, I call natural faith. Natural faith is what even those who are not Christians have. It is trusting people and things even though you haven't tested them. I sit on a chair 
without shaking the dead, dead thing to see whether it can carry me. I enter a taxi without asking the tri- taxi driver, please produce your driving license. For how long have you been driving? Have you had accidents before? I, I, it is natural faith. We call it sins believing. And that's the kind that Thomas exercised in John chapter 20. He told his friends, except I see Jesus for myself and put my palm in his side and put my finger in his nail prints, I will not believe that he is risen. And when he met Jesus, Jesus told him that, now you have seen me, you will believe. Blessed brother are those who have not seen, but they believe. In John chapter 20, verse 28 and 29. So we call that natural faith. Number two is saving faith. Saving faith is the faith and trust in God you need in order to take hold of salvation in Christ Jesus, to become born again, to become a child of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, we are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16 say that, Go, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. Saving faith is the faith you need to become born again, to become a Christian, to become a child of God, to accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. The faith you need to repent See yourself as a sinner in need of Jesus. But we have the fourth kind of faith. That is the fruit of the Spirit, which is called faithfulness in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Then we see that Faithfulness is a character. Even though they use the same Greek word, pistis, and it's translated in some of the Bibles, faith. What really is involved is that God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you produces Character called faithfulness, trustworthiness, dependability in you. So it's the fruit of the Spirit. So fruit of faith. But the fifth kind of faith is the gift of the Holy Spirit called faith. It's a charismatic gift and it is called faith. 
and it is classed along with working of miracles and gifts of healing. This faith is the sudden injection into your spirit of confidence, boldness, the knowledge that when you say something, God will back it and bring it to pass. It is the kind of faith that made Joshua tell the son to stop. In Joshua chapter 10 verse 12. And the son stopped. It's the kind of faith which made Elijah to speak out in 1 Kings chapter 17 that there will be no rain or dew until I speak again. And for three and a half years there was no rain and no dew. So it is a sudden injection of confidence, boldness by the Holy Spirit into your inner man which gives you a ground to say something or take a step knowing that God will honor it. Then we have also the faith. The term the faith is the body of Christian proofs which every Christian believes in. In Jude verse 3, for example, he says he is writing to us to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. You see, when he says the faith there, he is talking about the body of doctrines which Christians believe. Now, that brings me to number six, what I call the common Christian faith. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the Bible says God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Now, what does that mean? The normal Christian faith is what God has given to each individual to help you on your journey through this world in your walk with God. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 declares that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. And this is the faith without which no man can please God. Because it is a measure of faith given to every child of God. And you, you, you build upon that. You grow that. You work with that. And God expects you to work with it. In Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, the apostles asked Jesus, he said, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus told them that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will speak to this 
mountain to move and cast itself in the sea and it will obey you. You don't need that much faith if you use the little faith God has given you. It works for you. It grows. And I want to finish this list of the types of faith with what I call demonic faith. Satanic faith. Juju men, witches, and people who work with Satan also have their kind of faith. In Exodus chapter 7, from verse 10 to 12, we are told that when Moses threw his staff on the ground and it became a snake, the magicians of Egypt also threw their staffs on the ground and they also became snakes. Just that Moses' snake swallowed up the snakes of the magicians. And in James chapter 2, verse well, from verse 14 all the way to verse 26, the Bible says that you believe there is one God. You do well, but even demons believe and tremble. So, if your kind of faith is the kind of faith that Satan has, because he also believes, he trembles, he understands these things, but he never acts according to what he knows, then you are falling in line with satanic or demonic faith. So, I think we have spent quite some time trying to break down faith and tear it. Let's use the rest of this period to discuss the content of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, the Bible defines faith for us. It says faith is an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. Faith is an assurance. Faith is a conviction. Faith goes beyond just head knowledge. Faith is in the heart. Faith is a settled inner persuasion that is so strong and unshakable that it begins to turn your whole being. This is why in Mark chapter 9 verse 23 Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. Faith places a difference between Christian and Christian because when you have faith you have conviction. You have assurance. You have an inner driving 
foundation that goes beyond what we can see with their eyes, what we can feel with our hands, what we can touch. And it is built upon the unshakable person and promises of God. Now, this definition is critical because it brings out the, the, the difference between faith and hope. Even though faith and hope are twins, and the Hebrews 11.1 1 is saying faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It means hope can exist without faith. But faith cannot exist without hope. Because it is an assurance of things hoped for. Now both faith and hope talk about unseen things. They are both built upon the promises of God. And they both hook themselves on what is future. But faith believes what is possible for the here and now. And even if you do not lay hold of it, it affects the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act. Hope is also for the future, but hope is built on future things that are still in the future. You can exercise faith for healing, but you cannot exercise faith to bring resurrection, the resurrection body now. It is a hope. The second coming of Christ is a hope. You can't exercise faith so that Jesus will come the second time just now. So you can see that there is a distinction between faith and hope. And let us delve into this a little more. Throughout Hebrews 11, the Bible argues that when Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain, it was because of faith. When Enoch walked with God for 300 years and God took him and he disappeared, it was because of faith. When Noah prepared an ark for the flood, it was because of faith. When Abraham obeyed God's call and left his people at age 75 and followed God 
to an unknown country. It was because of faith. Look at Moses, Jephthah, all the men, the heroes of faith of old. The Bible says that their faith was what made them different. So, what is the context, the kernel of faith which pleases God and makes a difference between one person and another? Let's take a look, a closer look. The first and most important foundation for building faith is the Word of God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You need to establish unshakable confidence in the Bible as the Word of God in order to exercise faith. Now, you, you ask me why? Yeah, my niece defined faith as trying to believe what you know is not true. Because you know the thing is not true, but you are trying very hard to believe. But, in fact, Christian faith is not like that. How can you have an assurance if there is nothing to hold? How can you have a conviction if you know that what you are trying to believe is not true? So, we need to dig down deep and ask ourselves, how can I be sure? How can I be doubly sure? How can I be triply sure that the Word of God is strong enough for me to believe and hold and stand upon in the midst of this 21st century and not be disappointed. That is the rock on which you can build faith. So, I want to attempt to convince you. For me, by far, the thing which gave me the greatest confidence in the Bible was Jesus believed the Bible. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I see that Jesus never doubted the Bible. Jesus never questioned the truthfulness of the Bible. Jesus believed the Bible. He quoted the Bible to Satan. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. He told Satan, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He told Satan in Matthew 4 7, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. 
He told Satan in Matthew 4.10, Get thee behind me, Satan, because it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, Him only shall you serve. If Jesus quoted the Bible to Satan, and he was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, if Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 1450 years earlier to Satan, who is also a spiritual authority. It means in the realm of the spirits, both Jesus and Satan recognize that the Bible is not an ordinary document. That the written word of God carries a certain authority, a certain power, a certain strength, a certain veracity that the spiritual realm respects. You say, why is that special? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27, he told the disciples on the road to Emmaus, you fools, slow to believe what the uh, prophets have said. Ought not the Christ to suffer in order to enter into his glory? And beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them the things in the scriptures concerning himself. If Jesus, after his resurrection from the dead, believed the Bible, used the Bible to show his disciples that he was their Christ, then who am I to doubt the Bible? Who am I to, to, to think that the Bible is not true? Jesus believed the Jonah story. That Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jesus believed Lord's wife that she became his pillar of salt. Luke chapter 17 verse 26. Jesus believed in the Adam and Eve creation story. Matthew chapter 19 from verse 4 to 10. Jesus believed King Solomon's wisdom. Matthew 12, from verse 39 to 42. If Jesus believed the Bible, Jesus said in Matthew 26, 24, that the Son of Man goes as has been written of him. Both Jesus and the Bible stand or fall together. You can't say I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the Bible. There is nothing like that. Both Jesus and the Bible stand or fall together. In fact, Luke chapter 16, verse 31, Jesus said that if we don't believe Moses and the prophets, even if somebody rises from the dead, he cannot persuade us to believe. That's it. Jesus said in John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17 to 19, uh, it is not a jot or a title can remain unfulfilled in the prophets till all come to pass. Jesus said in uh, Matthew 
chapter 24, verse 35, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Bible was what Jesus stood upon. He used it to teach his disciples. He used it to argue with the Pharisees and his opponents. He used it to rule his own life and his conduct. He quoted it to Satan. Jesus, even after the resurrection, used the Bible. He never criticized the Bible. Why is that important? Because there are over 8,000 promises in the Bible. If you don't believe the Bible, those promises can never be of help to you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says that good news came to those in the past just like it has come to us. But it did not benefit them because they didn't mix it with faith. So, there are so many promises of God in the Bible and it is when you believe them and stand upon them that they begin to work for you. That you begin to see a difference. For example, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. It says, let your minds be free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because he has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Therefore, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. 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 And in this COVID situation and times, you need a confidence in God built upon the Bible in order to stand against the forces of fear that have been released against you. God bless you. Next week, we pick up from here. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, We thank you for giving us the Bible, the Word of God. Thank you for showing us that without faith it is impossible to please you. Lord, this journey of faith that we have begun, our prayer is that gradually you will begin to build the faith of your children upon the rock of the Word of God. That they will stand up inside themselves and begin to lay hold of the promises of God and live lives that show the world that we have a God. That in the midst of this 21st century confusion, we can take hold of the promises of God and live by them. That what you have said and promised us will come to pass and everybody can see it. Thank you, Father. May you begin work in every heart even as they listen to this message on faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.